Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... So by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul takes his self-confidence, he takes his self-righteousness, and he walks over to the edge of the boat, and he throws it in the water. And he says, it's nothing. And I'm doing it all. He says here, I count it lost for Christ. So he had a righteousness lost, his own self-righteousness. Today, Pastor Jim continues teaching on what it means to not live by our own abilities. The Apostle Paul wrote all of his accomplishments in life, boasting of the things that made him worthy in the eyes of people to be a spiritual leader and to gain God's favor. However, Paul says that every accomplishment is worth nothing. He throws it all out in an effort to seek Jesus and the grace that he gave through his death on the cross. We too can stop striving to be the best because Jesus already took care of it all. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Loss. You say, what is the Lord's assessment of humanity? Well, it simply is this, and it's not maybe not easy for you to hear if you don't know Jesus Christ personally. It goes something like that, that man and woman at their best, we tend to think of them at their worst, right? Mankind at his best, is still not acceptable to God. Now, that may be hard, but let me tell you how we have to really think about that to maybe understand it a little bit better. For the most part, mankind has a high view of man and a very low view of God. So we think man is basically good. I hear people say that all the time. I'm like, do you watch the news? Do you look in the mirror? (laughs) Do you listen to way people in... Target and Walmart talk to each other. There's a lot going on, right? Now, are there good things that people do? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in a second. But we have a very high view of man often and a very low view of God. God is holy, 100% pure, righteous. There are many things about God that we simply just don't know. We simply just don't know. Just, you know, (laughs) God made the world. God made the universe. God made you, right? And how many things can't you and I do? You're like, I don't don't even, which end of the hammer do I grab? I don't know. (laughs) But yet we want to think that we're in the same league with God. And so when we put God in a high and holy place, interesting You know, of course, everybody says, when I get to heaven, I got a few things to say to the man upstairs. The people in the Bible like, ah, right? (laughs) Had nothing to say. But when you realize that, that God is high and holy and still offers a way for you to come into his high and holy place, which we call heaven, it is very freeing. It is very freeing. 
And so you think, well, listen, I got, I got a lot to brag about. You know, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good guy. The Apostle Paul then provides his resume to these false teachers. And he gives us seven of his religious credentials. And some of them you could probably, if you said to him, could you explain what that means? He could probably talk for an hour on each one. Four of these things are from his heritage. Three he did himself. You know how people sometimes they go, they grow up in the church and then that's it, they're done. They fall away. Not this guy. I mean, he's full on from birth to the grave. He would have told you I intended to be a Jew, practicing Jew through and through. Well, the first thing he tells us in verse five, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He was what they called an eighth dayer. And that was the most obedient form of Judaism that a family would take their son and they would have him circumcised on the eighth day. Now, a lot of the people at the Philippian church would be Gentiles. Maybe some of the false teachers were as well. And the apostle saying, listen, I'm not like you people who converted later. No, I've been since a baby. I, I have been there. Now, again, it's important to remind ourselves that um, he was not against what the false teachers were talking about as far as circumcision. He was against their interpretation of what it meant. And so we learn from this that he was born of good stock of religious parents who followed the law of God. The second thing he says to us here in verse five is that he was out of the stock of Israel. Now, by this time, there's lots of mixed marriages going on throughout the Roman Empire. And he says, I'm a purebred, full-blooded Jew. In my family, we used to, we used to go to the, all these, I, I felt like, because I come from a big Irish Catholic family, I felt like all I did was go to weddings and funerals. And so there's the Maguires and there's the O'Hallorans and there's the O'Brien and there's the Ellises and, you know, that was my grandmother's maiden name. So I'd go to, she came from the huge family and I would go to those things and they would say, ah, you're an Ellis boy, you know, and then there'd be other people and they'd be like, they're not really Irish. <laughs> you know, like look down on those kind of people. And God, those things are different now. So he was of the stock of Israel. He says, I, I, was, of the, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, That's the third one here, he says in verse five. Small tribe, very respected. Sided with King David when everybody else wanted to just leave him. Loyal to the king. Benjamin, the the beloved son of Jacob by Rachel. The fourth thing, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That could mean a lot of different things. Could just be a, a summary He's just saying, I'm the real deal. We know that while all the pagans were out speaking Greek, he spoke Hebrew, he spoke Aramaic, the language of the true Jewish people. And so here's a man from a rich Jewish heritage continuing in that tradition. Well, next he moves on to his own accomplishments that he did after he left mommy and daddy. The fifth one, he says, concerning the law, or the law of Moses, a Pharisee. Now, Acts 23 tells us his father, his father was a Pharisee. So he's uh, following in his father's footsteps. And, you know, we think of Pharisees in such a bad way, but really many of them were among the most devoted religious men in the land. They came about a couple hundred years before Jesus was born when they saw everything just going terribly wrong. And these guys came back to the word of God and they said, you know, we, we're going to start, we're going to start living out the word of God, but what did they do? They started adding one thing after another, after another, and this is what happens. This is why we teach the word of God here, because when you start adding things, you don't dilute it, you eliminate it. 
And so it is not anything that resembled what God had wanted. Verse six, he gives us a sixth thing. He says, concerning zeal, you want to know how zealous I was? You want to know how full throttle I was in the faith? He says, persecuting the church. He says, I hated Christians. I hated Christianity. And he says, I didn't just talk about it. You know, I'm sitting around like, oh, we have to do something about these Christians. They're ruining Judaism. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to go do something about it. I'm going to get involved. And he finally came to a time when he realized that when he met the risen Christ in Acts chapter 9, when his zeal was misdirected. But you know, it's one thing I really love about him It seems to me as I read his writings that the way he persecuted Christians still haunted him. Still haunted him. And maybe some of you, I I know I was one of them, used to make fun of Christians. People would say, we'll pray for you. And I'm like, you do that. (laughs) Well, we're going to go read the Bible. I'm like, you go read the Bible. (laughs) Never catch me reading that book. Yeah. (laughs) And in a sense, realizing that the persecution that I once dished out now is appropriate for me. And it is a joy, actually, to suffer for the name of Jesus. Seventh and final one, he says, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, that doesn't mean he's perfect. Um, That just means that he was following the law, and when he messed up, he would go make a sacrifice to be forgiven. Which again, it had, you have the right heart for that. <laughs> I could remember I went to confession one time when I was in high school. And if you don't know what that is, it sort of goes like this. You walk into this little dark booth. They had a face-to-face one. I wasn't too hip on that. And walk into this little dark booth. And, and I'm not making fun of it. I'm just telling you that my hypocrisy. I walk in and I go, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Uh, I don't remember the last time I had confession. No, I did remember it. It was years, but I didn't want to tell him that. (laughs) And he's like, what are your sins? And I wanted to say, you got a couple days or weeks, you know, but I said, I don't remember. (laughs) That's a lie. I'm there in the confession booth lying through my teeth. And he goes to me, you know, go out, say a few of these prayers and a few of those prayers and light a candle. And I'm like, I get out there, I kneel down. I'm like, I'm out of here, right? And uh, don't ask me why I had my own pack of matches on me. And so <laughs> I'm walking out and I'm like, what hypocrisy? I'm not, I'm not, a, not the church, me. What utter hypocrisy. Yet Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul, felt he was righteous in God's eyes. And certainly as far as the outward rituals were concerned, he was. He was, but God looks where? Man looks upon, the Bible says man looks upon the outside, but God looks upon where? the heart. So he had plenty of religious confidence. He was a devoted religious person who didn't know God and said he put his confidence in the flesh. John 3, Jesus is talking with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus, the great teacher of Israel. It's probably Some people think the, great, the greatest Bible scholar in the land. And so here he is, and he seemed like a decent guy and talk, comes in and talks to in the middle of the night to the carpenter from Nazareth. And the carpenter just drops an atomic bomb on him and says to him, uh, John 3, 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Now we all know what that means, right? That means unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's, there's nothing really to explain about that. And then he, he just looks at Nicodemus. Would have loved to have been there to see this great teacher of the law talking to Jesus. He says, John 3, 6 and 7, he says, Jesus says to him, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you. I wonder if he looked him right in the eye. Don't, Nicodemus, don't marvel that I said to you. You must be born again. And so here you have this great learned man. And the Savior looking him in the eyes and saying, you must be born again. We know the Apostle Paul, he, he studied in, in Jerusalem under Gamaliel and there's some secular writing that Gamaliel said, I couldn't keep this Saul of Tarsus in books. He was so well read and he was so learned. And the Apostle Paul said, you know what, I, I didn't know him. In verse 7 here, the Apostle Paul says, but, and we always see that word, but, you got to, Keep an eye on that in the Bible. He says, but what things which were gained to me, what all the things he used to do, his religious assets, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. For your homework, read Acts chapter 9, when it actually happened, when he met the risen Christ, and then Acts 22 and 26 as he told people about it. And so here he's looking back and he's teaching us something very, very profound is the one way you know you're going to heaven is you lost your righteousness. <laughs> you lost your self-righteousness. He says, in that moment, there was no gain. I counted them lost for Christ. I finally knew I was going to heaven, but it wasn't because of what I've done, but it was because of what Christ done. He might say to us today, I thought I had it right, but I realized I was so very wrong. My faith was in my head. It was not in my heart. I needed to be saved. I needed to be forgiven of my sins. He finally realized that the beautiful rituals and rites that the Old Testament had prescribed, which he thought made him right with God, actually were meant to point to a loving and saving God and his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7, he's using accounting terms. He said, I thought it was profit, but it was loss. In other words, he had a piece of paper and he had a, he had a ledger and he said, all my profit for my, for my spiritual accomplishments. And he, and he had the list there. Quite easy for him, huh? He, all he had to do was change the word profit at the top to loss. He didn't have to do anything else. He was just 100% wrong. He's saying, I thought I was getting a good grade. And the teacher handed the, the paper back to me and there was a big fat F on it. I thought I was doing the right job. And the boss said, we cannot do anything with this work. And I realized I was losing heaven. And that which the Lord wanted to use to help me to get to heaven, 
like the sacrifices and the rites and rituals they done were actually a hindrance because instead of showing me the love and grace and mercy of God, I thought by me doing them, I was gaining God's favor. And so by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul takes his self-confidence, he takes his self-righteousness, and he walks over to the edge of the boat and he throws it in the water. And he says, it's nothing. And I'm doing it all. He says here, I count it lost for Christ. So he had a righteousness lost, his own self-righteousness. Number two, a righteousness gained. Verse eight. Yet indeed, I also count. Now the, the verb tense here is I'm still counting now. I love this about this guy. This guy is just, I mean, he's it. I know he's not Jesus. None of us are, thank God, right? But this guy is it. This great theological mind, but he's always still growing. He always shows these, these little signs we get that he's still growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So he says, I'm still counting all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge. We're gonna talk about this more next week. Some, some of your versions say, for the surpassing worth of, it's all loss, I was willing to lose it all, for the surpassing worth of the excellence of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count what all things, them as rubbish, translators really cleaning it up for us, the word is dung, human excrement, or it could also mean the garbage in a garbage dump, we might say in a landfill, that I may gain Christ. So my religious achievements, dung, so I may gain Christ. So he says here, I lost everything. He lost his religious status. He was of the up-and-coming crowd He was a a mover and shaker, most likely to succeed in Judaism, a respected man. He lost his future. He lost his comfort, lost his income, lost friends, lost family, all to gain Christ. And here he is looking back at it and saying this, It was well worth it. I'm so glad it came out this way. And it's still worth it today. And I have no regrets for the way life has turned out. Now again, remember, he's in jail. Again, remember, he could be awaiting a death sentence. Imagine him uh, talking to you about that. And then all of a sudden, maybe they say, you know, Paul, it's uh, time to get changed or he's wearing his shirt or there's no air conditioning in the cell and he takes his shirt off and they had beat him so many times. And he says to you, I rejoice. I rejoice because I know the Lord. I know the Lord. But man, you're back. Look at your back. Don't you have any regrets? He goes, I don't have any. 
I don't have any. I could just imagine myself going, wanting to go talk to the great apostle, the great pastor. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to tell him about all my problems. In five minutes with the guy, I'm, he's like, what did you come here for? I'm like, no, no. Imagine a man beaming with joy. All the problems, all the difficulties. And then he looks at you, chapter 1, verse 21, and he says to you, yeah, it's hard, but for me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. I think one of our problems as American Christians is we have too many to die is gain days, don't we? (laughs) We have too many to die is gain weeks where we think, you know what, I just want to die and go be with Jesus. Everything is going so wrong. And we hear things like verse 1, rejoice, and we're like, you got to be kidding me. But the Apostle Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. When I live for Christ, I can rejoice. And whether I live or I die, remember we did a whole sermon on this, whether I live or I die, I can have joy. And friends, when you realize that your own accomplishments before the Lord are dung. You can see the cross of the Savior. Paul told us that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We need to to visit the cross daily. You know, we should spend time reading our Bibles. I think we should be spending time hearing what the Lord would have for us to do each day. But I could not commend to you more than just to take a few moments and just picture him on the cross and think that should have been me. He did it for me because of his great love. Why would he use such a shocking term as dung? Why would he say that our own religious accomplishments were like a landfill or like a smelly dumpster? Why would he say that? To beat us down? No. To help us have a high view of God and see the riches of Christ? To help us see how desperate our need is? for trusting in Jesus instead of ourselves. So we see why there is great earthly value in good works and moral living. And as Christians, I think we need to applaud more people who are doing good things for our society. But there is no eternal value in religious or moral living apart from faith In the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You don't get to God unless you go through his Son. Is that important? You know, Christianity for years was called the way. That's what they used to call them because Jesus said he was the way. But also, I think the Apostle teaches all of us who've been Christians for a bit of time now about the present moment need that we have to continue to rely on Jesus Christ for our salvation. To which some people might say, you know, Pastor Jim, whoa, 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 stop a minute. I'm here. You know, I'm here, I'm serving. 
I'm serving, and you might want to, you might want to, Pastor Jim, you might want to talk to the guys who count the offering, because my name is on one of those checks. I'm here. You know what the Apostle Paul would say? Listen, if all of that is because you're thankful for what Jesus has done, praise the Lord. But if you think that that's going to get you to heaven, that's religion. You better trust Christ. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.